Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. This is Issues 2021. I'm Steve McIntosh, and our guest is Denise Sherman, Executive Director of the Kansas African American Museum in Wichita. Welcome to Issues 2020, uh, 2021. Thanks for being with us this morning. Well, thank you for inviting me. Now, first of all, I'd, I'd like to ask you a little bit about yourself. You don't have to disclose too much, but how long have you been with the museum, Denise? Sure. I joined the museum a couple of years ago, August of 2018. 2018. And, and so, yeah. What did you do before that? I actually was in higher education. I worked for uh, Southwestern College. And uh, before that, I was actually at the technical college here, which is now which called Wichita uh, WSU Tech. Yes, we did an interview on that just a week or two ago here on the Issue Show. So that's interesting. By the way, Southwestern is a college that my father attended and my and several of my aunts down there in Winfield, a beautiful town and a beautiful college, too. Absolutely, and I enjoyed my time there. It was really uh, quite um, interesting. Uh, some of the work that I did was on the professional development side, and so uh, we worked a lot with uh, organizations and uh, adult learners. So mm-hmm. quite different than those who attend you know, on campus, the younger folks who attend on campus. I think they call them the traditional students. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> so where are you from originally then, Denise? Pretty much from Wichita. Okay. Yes. All right. Do you go to the public schools here? I did. Public schools here and a proud graduate of Wichita Heights High School. Heights High. All right. Yeah. Now, now, can can you tell us a little bit about the museum? Uh, how did it start? When did and how did the museum start? Well, you know, the museum is really started as Calvary Baptist Church. And so it is one of the two remaining original buildings uh, in the area that was originally called uh, Black Wichita or West End or the Black Belt. And this is where our early settlers uh, in Wichita in the late 1800s, as Wichita was settling and developing, so was the African-American community. And so uh, this is one of the two buildings that was around 600 uh, South Water Street, North Water Street, uh, Main Street, and Wichita streets in this surrounding area that was actually the enclave of the African-American community. It's, a, it's really a, an older building. I've seen it, been there. It's, uh, and it's, uh, you said it was a church, and it's right near, right in the, almost square in the middle of downtown, isn't it? It is. It is in the middle of downtown, and sometimes a little difficult to find, but we are still here. It's a beautiful building. And, you know, as much of the original uh, community is now gone, 
uh, it still represents, I think, the, uh, the the fortitude and the resilience and and the beautiful craftsmanship of African American community as it was built by the the uh, members of the church, actually. And this wow. is this building that we have now is the second building. The first building was um, erected um, in the late 1800s and was then torn down. And this building was rebuilt um, in 1917. So, how many uh, how many visitors do you see in a year at the museum? Do you keep track of that? Yes, we do, and you know that really varies. Uh, this year, of course, and last year has been a little more difficult as it's hard for people to get here with the pandemic and and school children uh, and groups were our biggest um, of visitors as far as numbers. But we also had a lot of educational programs, community programs, and uh, those attract large groups as well, depending on how our exhibitions are being presented and then what uh, uh, supporting programming is going along with that. So we we have people visit from all across the state, and then we have people visit from across the country, uh, believe it or not. So we find ourselves uh, often uh, the uh, subjects of tap t- uh, travel writers. Uh, who share information about this wonderful uh, city of Wichita and the museum. And so um, we get people from all over, but this past year has been a little more difficult. So like others, we've had to pit and look for ways to engage and to uh, share information in which we do virtually. You know, and I mean, my question, the next question, has the, pan- has the pandemic impacted your museum? Certainly it has. And I would imagine uh, all of the museums uh, here in Wichita, we have several, and I'm sure the, it's had a huge impact on, on attendance at the, at the museum. Uh, and I guess uh, yeah, you just keep things clean, keep the mask on down there, and hope somebody comes and sees you, huh? Well, absolutely. We certainly follow all the COVID recommendations from the county, and uh, people have really self-managed um, as we come in. We very, very seldom have to uh, ask anyone to follow uh, COVID guidelines. Uh, people come in smaller groups or individuals, and that makes it easier. Uh, we're able to do about 15 to 20 people at a time uh, with the size of our building, and that gives everyone enough space to social distance and still enjoy uh, our museum. And with that, uh, we're just really uh, uh, pleased that people are still interested in, you know, looking for ways to enhance their cultural awareness and to learn more about history and to find out about the African-American heritage mm-hmm. and African heritage as well, and then also uh, engage educationally. So we are still providing all of those offerings, but on a very limited and more of a, um, uh, on a scale that's a little bit more um, conducive to our present day uh, <laughs> Yeah. Right. <laughs> our, our reality today. Right. Hey, okay. February, of course, is Black History Month, and we'd like to talk a little bit about uh, people and events here in Kansas, especially in Wichita. First of all, tell us a little bit about the, the Dockham Drugstore sit-ins in 1958. Talk about that a little bit. Well, sure. Um, that I'm really pleased that that story is gaining more ground as far as people are learning about it being the first successful student-led sit-in. And and very important to know that this was not necessarily by happenstance. Uh, The young um, group that was part of the NACT, the young professional group there, took it on as a mission to make change. And so, you know, the the beautiful thing about it is that many of these people 
uh, who participated as early as 15, 16, 17, 18 years old. They were very young, but very disciplined, very organized, uh, and had a mission and a purpose. And all went on to be very successful uh, adults in their career. Unfortunately, many of them are passing on, but we have still in our community several who are willing to share the story. Dr. Galen V.C., Ms. Peggy Wesley, uh, Mr. Prentice Lewis, Ms. Carol Parks-Hahn. All of those are still folks here, right here in Wichita, that we, you know, interact with daily and may not even realize that they were not only trailblazers, but change agents and history makers because they're so humble and so um, quiet about their experience. Uh, it's really quite sometimes difficult to get them to speak about it. Um, but when you do get a opportunity to hear the passion and the the impact that they made, you know, they were doing what they were led to do. And the beautiful thing about it is that uh, as they were moving forward with this peaceful, quiet um, a journey, they don't like necessarily to call it a protest, but but instead a opportunity to demonstrate that you can and should be treated uh, civilly and equally as others, and there's different ways to approach. So, well, that was a good demonstration then, as you put it. You know, and if the was this actually uh, was this, we call this the first such sit-in in the U.S. Denise. As far as, yes, it was really for a successful student-led sit-in after that, Oklahoma City. Uh, it, it Actually, what they did was created a template or a model for others to follow. And then Greensboro, North Carolina the next year or so. All right. Uh, mm-hmm. A nonviolent event, obviously. Uh, did the kids encounter any trouble at all when they were doing this? Well, sure. Hearing accounts from their experiences, uh, they certainly were not met well. You know, they weren't welcomed. Uh, you know, going to the lunch counter. And, uh, and and before I get into that, I guess what I would want to share is that it's not that people were not able to get service or lunch, but there were different ways, you know, rules about that. You couldn't sit at the lunch counter. You had to go to the end of the counter. You had to take your food to go. You couldn't sit and be served. So uh, with that, um, it, it, it certainly... Uh, you know, there was you know, there was a way to engage and, and get service, but right. not in the manner of what others. Um, so at that at some point, then did the the folks at Dockham Drugs, the people the people who were working there, did they come around and, and serve them wherever they wanted to sit, or did they just? Yes, eventually after a three week uh, after a three week sit in, uh, the understanding is that the owner was losing too much money and wanted to move forward with it, which set you know, the precedents for the Rexall change and chain and others to follow suit. Um, you know, just similar to, you know, other situations, sometimes it may start out as a civil or a civil rights um, situation or a civil rights purpose, but it ends up sometimes being an economic uh, mm-hmm. factor that turns the tide. Absolutely. There can be an economic impact, you know, if people mm-hmm. stop riding buses, for instance, in another Correct. time, right? Correct. Uh, so, so you were saying that uh, some of the uh, people who were kids in those days are still still here in Wichita, and you, uh, do you talk to them now and then? Well, actually, we just had an opportunity um, to uh, be a part of a national interview that took place uh, nationally um, just a couple of weeks ago, and they actually did the interviews. Uh, three of the participants were here at the museum and did their interviews right here at the museum. But many of them 
still engage as much as they can and, you know, serve and volunteer and come in uh, and, you know, do give lectures and information. So we're definitely actively engaged as much as we can be uh, with them. And those that are, you know, not in the community that are living in other parts of the country are also available when, when appropriate to, to visit with as well. You know, you're talking about an appearance and exposure on you on uh, NBC's Today show. And hey, that's some pretty good publicity for the museum, as well as getting, the, getting a great story out there about Wichita and the community. Well, absolutely. And again, that's uh, of the interviews that I was speaking to. And we certainly want to uh, give our thanks and, and also to our appreciation to Ms. Chanel Jones for, you know, bringing that story forward. You know, her parents are grandparents and are, are early settlers here of the Wichita community and longstanding supporters of um, the community and the museum. And so just the simple fact that generationally, sometimes we stories aren't always passed down. We may not know what's happened before us. And so I appreciate her stepping up and sharing that, you know, she um, thought that the story needed to have a little bit more exposure and sharing. And that's part of the purpose of the museum is to make sure that our younger people are understanding and learning more about their history and heritage and know what wonderful things. Uh, and significant contributions that happen here, not only in Wichita, but the state of Kansas, that is part of the African-American uh, culture. You know, and as I understand, she's a, uh, like you, she's a graduate of Wichita Heights High School, this reporter for NBC, right? Well, absolutely. <laughs> and, you know, I, I would love to go a little bit further with that, but I will say this, all of our high schools here in Wichita have really, um, you know, seated into our community and have a lot of successful uh, African-American students who have gone on to do wonderful things. But not only African-American students, many students, period. So we have a wonderful school system. You know, it's uh, and right there in downtown Wichita, where we've got some, uh, several years ago, there were erected some some really interesting uh, uh, statues down there and, and monuments. And there is a monument to the, to the uh, lunch counter there in downtown Wichita, right? Well, you know, there's a little bit of misconception about that, and so I'm kind of glad you brought that up. That is a lunch counter uh, that I understand was commissioned. It is part of and located where Woolworth was located. So it's not the Dockham counter, but it does represent that era, if you will, what a lunch counter could possibly be. Um, and so with that, um, I, I, because of the location and because of, of you know, some of the uh, – I think the way it's configured, you can certainly walk away with a with a better understanding of what a lunch counter would be. And for many folks, um, you know, we don't have very many lunch counters left in this area. Oh, no. So no. Uh, I'm just thinking of the uh, one over on Douglas. Uh, that uh, that's one of the original lunch counters still in the area that might give you an opportunity. Old, old to mill, have an old mill tasters. There, there you go. Yeah. There you go. Mm. That's it. Well, uh, yeah. okay, so you're listening to Issues 2021 here on the Intercom Radio Stations, and our guest is Denise Sherman, Executive Director of the Kansas African American Museum. You know, I want to talk a little bit about well-known people from Wichita, and, and uh, as you can, fill in the cracks on whatever I may offer here. If I first, one, you know, one of my, when I think about African American people from Wichita, one of my favorites is Hattie McDaniel. Uh, 
She was a, a movie star. She was in Gone with the Wind, and I understand she even won an Oscar. She she was uh, she's one of my favorite people from this part of the world. Can you know? Can you tell us anything about Hattie? Sure. Well, one of the things about Hattie Daniel is that she was born just a couple of blocks from where the museum is located, at nine twenty five North Wichita Street, and so uh, just right here in our uh, in our uh, community. We have an opportunity to, you know, see someone who was born here and then move. They moved to Denver as she was a youngster. Her family did, and then out to Hollywood as she grew. You know, she became an adult. Uh, her house is no longer standing, but we do pay homage not only to her, uh, to her life and her um, contributions, but the museum actually is working with the city of Wichita to place a historical marker at the location of her site. Uh, here in the next couple of weeks. And so wow. uh, we want people to be able to go to that area and have a better understanding of this is, you know, where she, her humble beginning started. And she was a very, uh, again, humble person, very talented, a performer, not only on the stage, but on radio. Mm-hmm. And her whole family was talented. She was the youngest of 13 children. Ah, wow. Yeah. You know, and, and I've, I've been thinking about that and, and for years. And why isn't there more recognition for Hattie McDaniel? And that sounds like you've well, got something going there that's 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 really going to be nice. Well, I believe we we are recognizing that, and I think there's you know a a you know, organically a collective that's coming together to to push her story forward, just as with Dawkins and some of the others. Uh, we you know want to make sure that we honor mm-hmm. and people know that. Wichita, again, is the birthplace or at least uh, a place where many, many historical things happen. Um, mm-hmm. Well, Hattie McDaniel uh, achieved much success uh, in Hollywood. It wasn't always very pleasant for her because, you know, she played stereotypical roles with Mammy and Gone with the Wind and, and other roles that may today seem a little uh, questionable. But at that time, that's what was available to her. And she played them with dignity and with pride. And so while she was uh, portraying roles that many people were actually doing in their real life, uh, that's, you know, again, in movies, she, she did so in a way that allowed people to really understand the challenges and the obstacles and even some of the hardships, but yet some of the celebratory and some of the gains of African-Americans during that time period. And, and you know, the, the, her, her presence, her talent came through. I mean, you can tell this is a likable person by any part she played. Uh, yeah, I, I just uh, I enjoyed watching her perform. She was terrific, I thought. Uh, well, about- I think she was very well respected and had a lot of support from her um, her peers mm-hmm. who were not African-American. So I think, uh, again, while she may have endured some indignities and 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 maybe at times was disrespected uh she still pressed on and was very gracious and very grateful uh to have the opportunity to move forward and so with that you know along even with the docum uh sit-in participants i'm always in awe of their discipline and their grace and their uh, their fortitude mm-hmm. that does not necessarily mean that you you know you're weak or or not impactful, but very much the opposite. Uh, and so, mm. again, just really gracious that they were able mm. to make change 
in their own way. You know, uh, a great singer, stage performer, Carla Burns from Wichita. is. Have you met Carla? You know her? Oh, absolutely. I've known Carla for <laughs> <Ever>? years. <laughs> yeah. And she, you know, she, she often... Um, channels or plays or or interprets Hattie McDaniel and the resemblance and the energy uh, is just is wonderful. It's just striking. Carla Burns is a great friend of the museum and is here as often as she can be with any projects or any programs or opportunities that we have. And especially if it is uh, in, you know, about Hattie McDaniel, she certainly lends her talent and her, um, her experiences, and she's gone all over the world too, playing right. Hattie McDaniel. She kind of mirrors her story. And uh, when we talk with Hat, uh, Carla Burns, she'll share that she grew up in um, not too far from where Hattie was. So oh, okay. they have there's a parallel track there. You know, uh, one of the high points of my life, frankly, a few years ago, I got to meet Curtis McClinton over at North High School, and when they were opening there, of course, Kurt played the, <laughs> excuse me, football at North. Then he played for the Kansas City Chiefs and a World Championship team. Uh, Lynette uh, Woodard was the first female Harlem Globetrotter. I've met her, and she's a neat person. And then Barry Sanders. There have been some really interesting, great sports figures come out of Wichita that uh, uh, that have made their names known all over the world as well. Absolutely, absolutely. And I'm so glad that you brought them up. Uh, yes, known all of them and uh, <laughs> had a chance to meet them. And, you know, I think that's just a wonderful, uh, not only – legacy that they have provided for us, but it also gives our future uh, children here uh, an opportunity to see where they can go as well. I believe Wichita had, has had two black mayors. I know of A. Price Woodard and uh, and Carl Brewer. Uh, so mm-hmm. we, um, but it's just history in general. Let's just talk about that for just a second. Are we, are we paying enough attention uh, in the schools to black history now? I mean, it's been a, a contentious uh, issue for a while. Are we doing enough, do you think? Well, I think, you know, as with any, you know, institution, you especially the educational institution, you have to, you know, they have parameters and they have, um, you know, things that they have to work through. But I would say that African-American history is American history. And so it's very vital, very important to balance what our students are learning to know that African-Americans and Africans in general were contributors of many, many of the uh, successes that we have today. You know, in our STEM, um, as we talk about STEM, we don't always hear about the contributions in our science and technology. Uh, We don't understand, you know, or know more about the contributions in math. And whether it's here in Wichita or Kansas or even statewide or nationally, I would say even the movie Hidden Figures that talked about the contributions of African-American women as far as uh, in the space program, you know, I didn't learn that until I was an adult. And had I known that as a young person uh, in the school system, my uh, perception might be a little bit different and maybe even change the trajectory of some of those who may have, um, you know, roadblocks or challenges because they don't necessarily see themselves in those types of roles but as you know things have moved forward and you know we understand now that in all areas of our uh history african americans were certainly uh right there contributors and uh we do need to do overall a better job of 
sharing that information. But then again, that's why the museum is here to, if you feel that you need to know more about your history, and we certainly would love to share that with you, we do provide that. You'd have a web page, correct? I'm sorry? You have a web page, correct? Yes, we do. We have a web page, www.tkaamuseummuseum.org is spelled out. And we have a section in our education section called uh, TCAM Online. And TCAM Online actually has information in very small segments, anywhere from 30 seconds to several minutes up to even up to 20, 30 minutes of educational and history and historical heritage things that we share about the African-American contributions and culture, and it's free. Okay. So you just register, sign in, and then you can go on there and find out lots of things uh, about uh, our history and our heritage. Thanks so much for being with us, and we'll check you, get down there and check out the museum. Thanks so much. Our guest you, is Denise Sherman, Executive Director of the Kansas African American Museum. That's all for this edition of Issues 2021. We'll be back next week. Thank you for listening. I'm Steve McIntosh.